Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Chris Sinzak and Aaron Camaro. Helping you celebrate Kismas in July all month long, we are the Decibel Geek Podcast. Welcome to it. My name is Aaron Camaro, joined as always by my main man right over here, my rock and roll compadre, Chris Sinzak. How's it going, my man? It's hot. Hot, hot, hotter than hell. Yeah. I love it. I'm yeah. sweating. I'm sweating like a bitch. Burn, <laughs> bitch, burn. Oh. What's great is that this week's episode, we actually recorded in the fine air conditioning, yeah. but the intro... Not so much. We're sweating it out for you. Yeah, it's fucking hot in here. We have a studio, but uh, we can't have the AC on when we do it, and... Um, right. The, uh, I think the, the heat index is uh, somewhere between Satan's balls and I don't know what. Right, yeah, it's right in there, right yeah. in that Gucci area for sure of the Dark <laughs> Overlord. I think we've broken uh, heat records here in Tennessee we have. the last few days, so you know the, mm. our little AC unit don't really do shit when it is on, so we might as well just turn it off so we sound good. Yep. But before we get into this week's episode, I got a little bone to pick with some of the listeners. Okay. You know, I find it odd... That some people are doubting, as we spoke about last week, that in 1978, Ace Frehley not only helped Pete Rose reach 3,000 hits, also inspired the minting of the Susan B. Anthony dollar, created the Garfield cartoon, delivered Ashton Kutcher on a sidewalk, captured Ted Bundy single-handedly, and has more than one brain. People are questioning this story. I don't see how. It's just good science. Right. But what really is strange about this to me is that out of all those things that people are questioning about that story, Mm. not one person questions the fact that Gene Simmons would be making love to Joyce DeWitt behind a light pole in front of a group of people. Well, she had a pulse, right? She sure did. That was pretty much all Gene required. 1978. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Although I'm not going to go into how creepy it is that Joyce DeWitt kind of resembled 1983 version of Vinnie Vincent, and then that really takes it to another strange level. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Gene, if you're listening. I'm just saying. But yeah, Nasty. That, was a, that was an interesting story. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. And, you know, that's just the way it goes around here during Christmas in July. Sometimes we get a little carried away because we take this celebration very, very seriously. Very. Yeah. Very seriously as we do everything around here, of course. A lot here, of course. serious stories coming your way today. <laughs> <laughs> yes, today is going to be a very serious discussion with the one and only Pixie Esmond. Yes, yeah, she's uh, one of our most popular guests is back, and she's going to cement her legacy today. Oh, because, oh man. Uh, and there, Yeah, there's some stuff that you didn't know about the guys in Kiss coming your way um maybe maybe not as in-depth as last time but uh, this is a an incredibly entertaining discussion yeah we took uh, li- uh questions from friends family listeners yep. and 
and foes and everybody we could get questions from and uh, covered pretty much, I think, just about everything that we could have missed in the first one. Yeah. So, you know, this one picks up where the last one left off and... Man, Pixie is awesome, <laughs> funny, entertaining, and so smart and so cool as she always is. And quick. Oh, yeah. man. Just awesome. Love it. Yeah, she's awesome. And uh, you guys are going to enjoy this, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. So we got a little business to take care of this week. Some, some, Do we? Uh, some good news. Do we have yeah. business to yeah, take I care of this week? I don't have to break out Peter's 78 solo album oh, this year. Oh, yeah. There it is right there. I see him. One, two, three, four, five stars. iTunes review time. We've got one this week. Thank you so much. This one comes to us from Power Sergio. Just the other day, this one came in. Thank you, you guys. And I see there's more than one here. So thank you guys for stepping up and taking care of that. Keep them coming. This one goes a little something like this. It's entitled, Good Work. Just recently stumbled across Decibel Geek because I haven't been able to get enough kiss lately. That's a good problem to have around here. Looks like I picked the right month to get on board with Kissmas in July going on. The last two episodes were awesome. In the immortal words of Joe Dirt, I'm a rocker dude through and through. And even though Kiss was my first love, I look forward to getting caught up on the rest of the episodes. Cool. That's awesome. Five stars, iTunes review. That makes us feel good. I like that. I like that name, Power Sergio. I do too. That's very cool. <laughs> Thanks so much. And uh, yeah, no tissues needed. No no, uh, no Peter Chris ballad or anything. Could use some tissues for my forehead, maybe. I'm wow. sure we're about to say something else, but yeah, don't do there. that in front of me. All right. <laughs> so iTunes reviews, five stars. They make me very excited. Don't leave any more. No. All right. Uh, so for the other round of business, the Geeks of the Week, these are the people that shared on Facebook and retweeted on Twitter. Last week's Demolicious Kiss Edition got a lot of good response on that. Thanks to all of you that listened and uh, shared it especially. So these are those people. Freeform Rock Podcast, Mark Alden-Taylor, Brennan Barrier, Baco, Kevin Williams, Greg York, Thomas Mukaji, Joe Royland, Sit and Spin with Joe, Matt Porter from The Kiss Room shared it. Seymour Pierce, Rock and Ron Runyon, Matt Ashcraft, Cobras and Fire Podcast, Kenneth Roy, Stephen Michael, Joseph Capone, Anthony Britt, Robin Bennett, Rob Webb. Whew, it's hot in here. Oh, it is. Ooh. Christina Green, Wayne Cross, Colin Francis, Trevor McDougal, Mikhail Burrell, Hoops, Rob Harris, Kiss Army Omaha, Shane Abair, Brent Tibbetts, Joe Lescon, Aaron Baker, Dan Chapu, Adam Cox, Steve Wright from the Potter Than Hell Podcast, Sean Cullen, Kiss Army, Washington State, Joe nice. Beck, Blame Your Brother Podcast, Christopher Stokes, Eric Moore from the Saturday Night Jam Session Podcast, Jeff Mendenhall, Adam Cox, again, Darren Hellowell, MDG Rock Photography, Derek Novak, Stephen Atchison, Sonny Pooney, Ernesto Aguiar, and the Mooger Fooger. The Mooger Fooger. Now you know the list is complete. Thank you to everybody that shares and retweets and just in general helps us get the word out about what we're doing here. By doing that, we're going to read your name at the top of the show just like we always do because that's our way of showing our appreciation. Yep. You guys are awesome. Keep it up. I got to mention, I mentioned Sonny Pooney there. And Sonny's kind of come on board with uh, Podcast Rock City and he's kind of become the new co-host of that show. Right on. And he's doing a great job. Yeah. And uh, he wanted me to mention he... He emailed me yesterday. He's coming to the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo. Awesome. He didn't think he would at first, but he's going to come all the way from California. That's awesome, man. I'm what looking great forward news. to meeting him. Yeah, and me too. Guys, if you're, well, I guess I was going to say, if you're in, within driving distance, but this guy's flying from California. If you're interested in hanging out with us and you listen to the show every week or these other great shows, Come into town on August 26th because it's going to be a big party. Right, and I've said it before, you know, if you're going to take some vacation time, this is the perfect time to do it. Don't just come to, you know, I mean, I mean the main idea is to come hang out with us at the Rock and Pod Expo, sure. but like I've always said, there's a million really cool <laughs> things to do here in Music City, so make a vacation out of it. It's yep. a great place to come to visit. 
just kind of don't tell the wife what's going on that weekend until you get here. And yeah. then you'd be like, oh, wow, there's a rock and pot expo. We should go to that. Right. And it's, it's like, when's the other time you're going to get to go on vacation and know like a whole bunch of people when you get there? Right. You know, man, how it, cool. It's going to be a trip. And so, yeah, if you want to get tickets, just go to www.gofundme.com slash rock in pod expo. And that's got all your options for tickets and everything. And we keep announcing guests. I got more guests to be announced. We got a heavy metal parking lot reunion going to happen. That whole heavy metal parking lot thing it's a trip, is isn't just, it? oh man, has that <laughs> turned into a trip? We got to sit down and do some VIP and tell the guys about what's going on with that because this yeah. story has just started started <laughs> as a small glitter of an idea in Chris Sinzak's mind and has just blossomed into this great, big, awesome thing. And we want to tell the VIPs all about yeah, it. Yeah, there's a good story to tell. And, uh, as long as I don't wind up in the loony bin, I'll see all of you on August 26th. <laughs> It'd be interesting to do a podcast from a nut house. Oh, man. You're going to make it. You'll be all right. Yeah, that's true. But all yeah, right. it's uh, it's been fun, and uh, we got a, a fun talk with Pixie to get to. Awesome. Well, so I went. I went back and listened to the first appearance that was actually two years ago, and uh, boy, that was a uh, that was such a fun talk. And, yeah, it was. And we to this day we get lots of great feedback from listeners on, on your appearance. You're one of our more popular guests. Mm-hmm. I got a, an offer of marriage on one of them. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that. Chris, you posted, and then somebody wrote that she wanted to get married. Yeah. And you know, I. Does he have money? Let's talk. Let's get real. <laughs> All right. Well, well, Liam Forrestal, she's put it back in your court, so you need to respond on Facebook. If you have money, then she'll consider it. <laughs> you got to be able to put me through college. Oh, there you go. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, see, I, I tried to look the podcast up today, but I could not find it under Decibel Geek. Really? Huh. Yeah. That's. I punched. You know, I lo- I went to the podcast and then I put in my name and nothing came up. Well, that's all. I'm going to have to look into that. Yeah, Damn right. Always one of the coolest things about doing a podcast is once you do an episode, it, it just stays there. It's not like radio where it's poof and it's gone forever. But we get people that still, like, on almost a daily basis, discover the show, and they always come back and say, that episode you guys did with Pixie Esmond was one of your best. Wow. Yeah, for sure. And listen, I listened back to it today, and I got to agree with them. It really is. I can't remember a word I said, I, some of it, but good, I'm glad. I had a great time, that's what I remember. Yeah, so, we did too. Yes. Well, we've got uh, a number of questions that we came up with, that listeners came up with, and basically we're trying to expand on some of the stuff you told us the first time you were on, so if you don't mind, we're just going to bounce all over the place. Absolutely. Okay, um, the most egregious thing that was left out that we, mm. for some strange reason, didn't cover the first time, was Kiss's infamous appearance on the Tom Snyder show. And I'm sure you have to have memories of that. Yes. I think we arrived. We went to a hotel, and they did their makeup and costume there, and then took a limo to Tom Snyder. And from the moment, every time the guys would go into any interview, they would just light up. But for some reason with Snyder, it was electric as soon as they hit the studio. Mm-hmm. And they were just, you know, ready to go and tear it off. And they knew who he was, and he was ready to have a good time. Yeah. 
that's what I remember. Well, but the 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 thing that stands out to most people about it is that uh, Ace was very much into the partying mood that day, yeah. and uh, Gene and Paul were not real thrilled about that. And Ace pretty much he hijacked he the hijacked interview. the show. Yeah, well, it was his turn. <laughs> you know, you got you listen to the other two all the time. It was Ace's turn, and was he a little relaxed? Sure. He just that's just what he who he was. But he's a funny, funny man. So what the hell? It was his turn to shine. That is absolutely probably yes. the yes, funniest the other... moment in TV history. <laughs> <laughs> it's not not quite Lucille and Lucille Ball and the Chocolate Factory, but it's close. It's right out there. <laughs> yeah, he just it was he was there to have fun. It wasn't a you know Walter Cronkite interview. Snyder was a little wound up himself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they did. It was perfect. They played off each other, and you could see the joy that is Ace. Yeah, but you could also see a lot of uh, irritation on the face of Gene. Was he upset with Ace after that was over? What do you think? It, yes, yes. Gene, well, one, I don't think he cared for not being the star mm-hmm. because, yeah, it was always Paul and Gene giving the interviews and chatty chat, and uh, maybe he felt embarrassed. Um, the energy, I just uh, I don't want to mem- re- misremember. Mm-hmm. Sounds very political. But uh, sure, he was annoyed. But he, he was always annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, Ace had a ball, and Peter delighted in it because those guys never really got heard from. So yeah. um, what the hell? And everybody, all the fans knew that Ace enjoyed a cocktail back then. And sure. so what? Yeah. So what? It's late night television. So uh, well, and, and one person that Ace mentions on that uh, that appearance is uh, the tour manager at the time was uh, Frankie Scanlaro. Do you have any memories of him? I've never heard that name before. <laughs> he may have been the—I think he may have been the tour manager before the Dynasty tour. He was. A, I think, yeah, because uh, Steve Gansky was our our tour manager. Okay, and yeah. was Rick Alberti around at that time too? He was. Yeah. He was. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see much of him. He was very front office and front of house kind of thing. Gotcha. Yes, they didn't socialize with us. Oh, um, uh, they were missing <laughs> out. They were, but uh, then we couldn't have been ourselves because you don't want what happens backstage to have the guys in the front of the house necessarily know. There's <laughs> our secret. Um, tell us a little bit about your brother, Michael, because you mentioned him in the first step in- interview, but we didn't we didn't really expound on that. And I did a little bit of research. He was looks like he was Kiss's lighting director for quite a while too. Um, he, yeah, go ahead. No, I just I didn't know if, what was his little he history. He has been with. Jethro Tull for a long, long time, and he did his lights. When he was on KISS, um, he was the, kind of a production manager mm-hmm. uh, with Steve Gansky, who was the uh, tour manager, and my brother was the production guy, set up, set up, set up. And he and Steve were good friends and old friends, and uh, my brother broke his leg right before we started. So he used to do the show, load-ins, load-outs, and all the organizing on a bicycle. <laughs> he also he did the uh, Rumble in the Jungle, wow. the great fight. Yeah? Yeah. So he'd been around quite some time. Wow, and guess. doing That's Kiss awesome. was like, yeah, he did the Rumble in the Jungle. But he was really organized, well-respected, and, and uh, it had been a lighting designer and director, so it was a natural for him to do this. Bruce Spillman was the... Uh, lighting guy when we were on tour i think i saw him on a sp- on a tv show around the dynasty tour he was kind of giving a tour of the stage i think that's who that was yes yes 
skinny guy, a little yep. goatee, blondish hair. Okay. Uh, I, I dug out a lot of stuff today to uh, my little kiss stash and um, was just remembering how bloody hard the crew worked on that. I guess the show was called Hot Hero Sandwich, where mm-hmm. you saw uh, Bruce and uh, I spoke and some other good people, um, which sounds very vain, but what the hell is about me? Uh, <laughs> And they just worked their balls off nonstop. I dug out a letter here from, uh, where is it, in 1980, October 3rd, in Germany somewhere. And it says, you know, two bus calls, yada, yada, begins the worst back-to-backs of the tour. And names two cities will be like Basel. Both drives will approach nine hours. The, the gig has no facilities like showers, etc., and I'm afraid the electricians and the riggers will have it the worst, as we cannot come back to the hotel for showers. So yeah, it's just it was rough. Um, we did they did we did that all the time, and you try to figure out a where's your luggage, where can you take a shower? And the buses were nice to sleep on, but there was no showers. And well, God knows what it's like to be trapped with twelve guys on a tour bus in one toilet. Mm-hmm. So you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was rough. So they, they just, it was nonstop, round the clock, round the clock, round the clock. And that little video, when they do it in time lapse, shows you the steady pace that our guys kept up. And, and as nice as many of the local crews were around the world, they were still, they'd never seen the show before. They had never seen 18 trucks. Yeah. They had never seen the size of the show and yeah. lasers and bombs and the risers and uh, the stage we had. And they were, you know, not so bright sometimes, so it would take longer. So our guys would have to do the work of the local guy and their own work to get the show up on time. Mm. And we all, and we did. These guys, we, they never lost a show because of our crew. Right. Well, that would be like being a local crew and being like, well, what have you done? Well, we had Bob Seger a couple of weeks ago, and then we did Kenny Rogers, and we had uh, uh, John yes. Denver. Yes. And, and now it's what? Kiss? You know, yeah. the the immensity and the difference between every other band at the time and what KISS was doing, I you'd almost have local crew members calling in sick that day. KISS, I'm not coming into work today. Well, they would kind of, well, they wanted to come in because they all wanted swag, yeah. you know, a T-shirt or something. They would hide in corners or they would just walk around with one a length of uh, wire, um, <laughs> with, uh, cable, yeah. and just look like they're busy because their heads were spinning. Truly, they had never seen anything like this before. And you got to re- think of the uh, crew doing eight, nine, ten, eleven, like twelve to f- shows back to back to back to back. That means load in, set it up, get back, tear it down, get back on the bus couple of hours driving sleep up, maybe sleep, and do it again and do it again and do it again. So they'd be a little tired after 12 and 13 shows. And sometimes you would get house people who, well, this is our theater. We know everything. And yeah, I'm sure you do, but watch. And the show was like trusses, the lighting trusses and the construction of the set was such that it could only go together one way. And it had to be done in a certain way. You know, lights had to go in the air, then sound had to go over here. While carpentry was getting stuff to come in, and um, and they just didn't sometimes want it to be the boss, and that was not productive. Mm-hmm. So our guys were amazing. You couldn't scream, 
because the first time you scream at somebody on a crew, then you've lost everybody. And uh, so they were just mellow. They just keep going and going and going. They're a little energizer bunnies. Sounds like they had to be. Yes. Unshaven. You'd when, when, Shaving was the last thing you'd think of. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I have to ask, how insane did you think they were for wanting to have this contraption where Gene's going to fly across the stage? I thought it was fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I came from Broadway. I guess we I went to Japan, for Christ's sakes. We had a little 100-pound woman fly. Go ahead. Um, didn't bother me at all. Mm-hmm. I, I knew what it was. I knew how it would work. It should work. And I thought that was fine. Uh, what I hated about it was the blood on his costume, because that had to be cleaned off every day. I try to do it at night, mm-hmm. but usually the, as soon as the show is over, the guys would get in a limo right there in the hall and go back to the hotel, and then uh, Big John and the guys would send the clothes back in duffel bags, and, yeah. and something's all sweaty, and then you shove it in a bag, and then it gets dried, then you've got, you know, a figure eight of a mess. So I, I didn't, you know, I don't care. Go ahead, fly. Knock yourself out. See any mishaps while they were testing that out? Mishaps? No. Mm -hmm. We had the the rigors of death. These guys were amazing. And there was no falling. There was nothing. And because before, who was the rigor? The company was uh, Branham, Joe Branham Enterprises. Uh, He built the rigs and was with us in the beginning. And then the John and Greg, the riggers took it over, and uh, they would test it themselves. Um, they would do it. People who wanted to go for a ride and have fun would go do it, and uh, uh, it was nobody was allowed on it after it was set. It was protected and guarded, yeah. and our guy never, nothing ever happened like that, no. Gotcha. Um, yeah. well, what else did you find in your box of KISS stuff? I'm just curious. My, well... <laughs> I found an odd mask of Peter's. Uh, I was thinking how heavy those costumes were. The Peter, you had uh, foam heads like lions' faces, and they were bejeweled, and then just yards of uh, foxtails that were dyed green. And um, that was set on a coat. And um, then his jumpsuit and his boots and his belt. But the belt, the original belt buckle, was huge, so when he'd sit, it cut him in half. So we changed that. And Jean's boots weighed a lot even before they got <coughs> adjusted. <laughs> and uh, the, his top was a plastic. I saw a question, what was the most unusual fabric I've ever worked with? And <laughs> Jean's top was a... I'm going to use the word plastic, but I'm sure somebody will correct me. Um, you know when you mix certain glue, it's, you have a, God, an atom, one, I don't know, you mix two things together and it bubbles up. Yeah. That's what Jean's costume was made of. And then that hardened and that was set onto spandex. And it was really, really heavy. So it was on his chest, his shoulders, uh, the cod piece, and then on top of the boots and the boots themselves. Uh, when they were all leather, weighed, you know, five pounds, something like that. And then you add all this other stuff on top of it. Plus, for all of them, as they worked during the show and worked up a serious sweat, everything would get heavier. So I was noticing that the very early photographs we did, Gene's costume was much more elaborate, mm-hmm. with a spider on his chest and the spider 
on the cape in the back coming up over his shoulders. And uh, we cut out some of that, cut out uh, stuff around his elbows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the uh, boots got cut down a little bit so they didn't come, come as high up over his knees because he couldn't quite squat and bend and, you know, do all that. Uh, Peter's and then Ace's was very light. He was smart. He stuck to the same design, the flying V. Woohoo! And uh, it was very light, even with the mirrors and stuff, because they were all plastic. They're pain in the ass. And the unit, the laser unit in the center of his chest was detachable. So when he started the show, I'd, I'd have, I had two of them one that was empty and one that had a motorized uh, thing in it that made it shine and glitter and do tricks and I would swap it out right before he would go do that guitar solo so he was smart and so Gene's weighed a ton and Paul that jacket that we started the tour with that very thick elaborate like giant feathers coming down they were hand painted and solid jewels and not like little tiny sequins I mean heavy glass jewels about a half an inch some half an inch in diameter, and then in a sol- in a little um, steel setting, and punched up and down the entire back, on the sides, on the sleeves. He had a collar, the belt, everything weighed a ton. So I was noticing how we started in the beginning, looking at the original uh, Dynasty photos we did in the studio, and then out on the street, how much we pared it down because they just, it just it was exhausting mm-hmm. and a pain in the ass to deal with on stage because if you go to throw it, it would pretty much like pulp <laughs> 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 through the jacket and wore it out and then say, I'll just throw it to the edge of the stage and it pretty much took him with it. And that was not, aw- uh, you know, attractive. It was a little awkward. So that got cut. And I'd cut it down and lighten the sleeves and eventually cut them off. So. It's one thing to have all that stuff on for a photo shoot, but then when you actually got to get out and move around in it, and then on top of that, get up on stage and run around the way Paul Stanley does, I could see how that would get pared down pretty fast. Really fast, yes, yes, yes. And cutting holes in jean bodysuit so his body could breathe, because originally it was solid spandex top to bottom, but it, he was dying, so mm-hmm. put holes, uh, you know, we cut, uh, he asked, and... I cut holes in the thighs and in the chest so he could, you know, breathe. Uh, you know, get your uh, sweat, air cooled. I saw a quote from um, Elton John that said, after he saw the concert, he said, I don't know why these guys are not dead at the end of the night. I've never seen anybody work so hard. Yeah. And it's true. From a small house of 3,000 to 60,000, they always worked hard. Um, mm. So... You know, personalities being what they were, but they always put out, always, always. Well, Gene put out more so than others. (laughs) 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 The photo shoots, I was looking at this uh, shoot. There's a picture of Gene standing between two gargoyles Mm -hmm. and and like a castle backdrop. And we shot that in a French photographer's studio on 55th and 7th. And his Bernard was a well-known photographer at the time of models and chicness, and it's back in the 70s. So he was very thorough about how he would design each piece for each guy, each look. So for Gene, he decided we would have smoke so that the gargoyles look scarier and 
you know, his face coming out of the clouds and the, you know, mist and haze and all those kinds of shots. And we kept doing it over and over and over, so much so, somebody called the fire department because <laughs> smoke filled the building, filled his whole floor, and when we noticed, opened the doors, to the windows to let the smoke out, well, the fire department came, New York, and the New York fire department doesn't come with one bolt truck. Right. They came with six and seven. Yeah. So there were the girls waiting to do Paul's thing with uh, long fingernails and pretty much a smile and some perfume, and uh, a girl, the girl who worked for, did Peter's dead body thing, and there was smoke and naked people and cocktails, and, and in comes the fire department, ready to tear, you know, bang on the door, bang into the apartment, and then just stop dead. It was great. It was a great, great night. So they did photos with the guys, and oh my God, it's Kiss. They were more in awe of watching and talking, then they were really concerned about getting to the source of the alleged fire. So, <laughs> <laughs> so a couple of them volunteered to stay behind just in case. Right. Yeah. Can you imagine? You run into the room and there's Kiss yeah. and they're full regalia. Yes. In full drag, man. Yeah. <laughs> he was really into the shooting and exhausted. They were so tired, so a little cranky, too, mm-hmm. given all that and carrying on, and they were stunned. They were absolutely <laughs> stunned. <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. It was always like that. That was one of the fun things about uh, them and their costumes and where they'd show up and what they'd do. And I would take their boots to be repaired. Mm-hmm. So the shoemakers, I, well, first of all, I always negotiated a good deal, but they were so oh, my God, and these were over the top. And a shoemaker in Australia, he rebuilt three pairs. Nobody's ever seen anything like this before. And uh, in Europe, where we'd have to fly ahead, we, me and the band and, um, you know, tour manager and so forth, uh, security, to do um, uh, promos, TV Mm -hmm. promos and stuff, we'd go through uh, security, and they would open the bags. They wanted to see what everything was because they were so enthralled. And it would take us twice as long to go through, clear, get to get cleared, because they all wanted to try the boot on or take a picture with the boot. <laughs> and this was and before cell phones. <laughs> yeah, and you don't say no to a guy in Italy with a machine gun on his shoulder. No, you don't. <laughs> no, nor do you say no to the Germans because you just don't. Their hello is frightening. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I remember yeah. Um, one of the there was one of my favorite TV appearances was, well, I want to talk about t- basically two welcome er- Eric Carr appearances. One was they did a, a spot for a show in Australia, but they filmed it at the top of the World Trade Center. Were you? I'm sure you were there for that, weren't you? We were. <laughs> oh, you may not have been. I mean, they were in full costume and makeup, but they were. It was filmed at nighttime, and they were walking around the observatory deck on top of the World Trade Center. Really. Yeah. That's the one where Ace goes, look, it's rock and roll. That's where that oh, was filmed. Oh, is that that yeah. one? Um, really? Yeah. Who was the interview with? It was with a, a show called Countdown in Australia. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, I don't. Nope, don't remember. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> Who else? Well, this, I remembered. Yes, go ahead. This is one that I th- I'm sure you probably do, because it was kind of Eric's official welcoming to the fans was the show called Kids Are People Too. Yes, yes. Okay, do, do you have any particular memories of that day? 
No. No? <laughs> <laughs> they sort of blurred all together. Yeah. Uh, everything changed. It was always changing at the last yeah. second. So um, add a foxtail uh, to Eric. Add fur, take it off. Change the boots. Do this, do that. So a lot of times it was about setting up the room, getting them dressed, and then staying there and, and uh, cleaning up because mm-hmm. they do the interview, then we'd leave immediately. So sometimes I don't remember. I do remember sort of talking Eric down. He was very, very nervous and very excited, and he, it meant everything to him to have been chosen. Mm-hmm. And he didn't want to mess up, and he wanted to be perfect, and he was adorable. So. Yeah. And he wasn't a drinker in the beginning. So he, uh, you know, there was just, he just went out and faced it cold, and he was a sweetheart. I thought it was an interesting choice to unveil his character on a children's show, which it kind of falls in line with the Dynasty tour. Because I'm, and I'm sure you definitely remember the swaths of children that were in the, yeah. at the in the audience at that point. Because it's almost like they yeah. kind of went from being a dangerous band for teens to almost a kind of a kiddie band by that point. Well, that I can't make that statement because mm-hmm. you are better, bigger fans than I. But the answer is yes. They knew their audience. They were very smart. Bill Coyne was very, very smart. So he did nothing by mistake. It was a very, very popular show. Plus, if they're on a kid's show and the parents see their kids watching them, mm-hmm. see that they're kind of not, they're not demonic, then they'll take them to the show. So they, it was a very smart move on sure. their part. Well, it pays dividends today because all those kids grow up and they still right. go to KISS concerts. So. That's ex- with their kids yeah. in makeup. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. It was a good long-term idea, really. Yeah. Um, yep. I've got one here that's a good question that kind of goes along with that. This one comes from Mike Lemmer on Facebook. And the question is, how nervous was Eric Carr before his first show at the Palladium? And was his confidence noticeably higher after successfully completing his first live show with Kiss? Oh, he was puking and pooping. He was out of it. He was so excited. He was, yeah, literally. Did you ever do a performance? Did you ever act or mm-hmm. anything? Yeah. It is frightening. Now, be with Kiss at the Palladium in New York, their hometown, a classic building. He was, yeah, he was drinking water and tea and, and uh, just and walking around in circles. He got dressed early and he was ready right away and just sort of, and everybody's given notes and tried talking and do this and do, and he, but when it was time, it was like he became another person. His head went up straight, his back straight, it was time to walk out. And uh, indeed, that's a great question, Mike, because he came back a different guy. Yeah. He came back so happy, off the ground happy, and the guys were so wonderful, scooping him up, twirling him around, patting him on the back, dumping stuff on his head. They were thrilled, and he was thrilled because he was note for note perfect and a new energy, and that helped them have that energy. And, uh, yeah, it was a great night. And truly, afterwards, he became a different guy. He had more, he had confidence. He knew he, he could do and had rehearsed so hard and wanted to be so good and done everything that was asked of him, dying hair, you name it. And so, uh, yes, when he came back, he, wanted, he went out a chorus girl and came back a star. Nice. That's, That's awesome. That, yeah, I, I love yeah. the visual, like a 
football locker room with the guy that just scored the winning touchdown afterwards. Yes, and he had, like, with a bad arm or a bad leg. I was just quoting 42nd Street, an old movie, and, you know, the star gets sick. So they send on the understudy, and the <laughs> director says, you're going out of chorus, girl, but you're coming back a star. And she saves the day and saves the show and yada, yada. So um, it was. And, but he was never, he never changed who he was. Mm-mm. He was a sweet guy from for every single day. He was lovely. Hey, I don't think I've ever heard, so, I don't, I've never heard one example of him ever pulling a rock star ego on anyone no. ever. No, he didn't. He was so grateful, which is an overused word these days. But he was grateful for the chance, for the opportunity. He was also a fan. So to play, to get the chance to play with your idols, it doesn't get any better than that. It changed his life. And so, and he was just a nice guy. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm I'm glad no one's ever said anything because you can't. I'll fight him. (laughs) We'll we'll do it with (laughs) you. (laughs) All right. Uh, Next question. Well, one thing I, I, that I noticed just today on Facebook was uh, it was 38 years ago today that the 2020 piece on Kiss came out in 1979 from the Dynasty Tour. Did you got? Did you remember getting to watch that when it aired? I have to kill you because you've just said 38 years. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm no spring chicken either. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, good. Um, I No, I never got to watch them because we were on a show schedule. Yeah. So we would do it, we'd leave, and then uh, there'd be rehearsal or another show, and off you'd go. Yeah, so there was no TV. No. <laughs> yeah. But it was just, yeah, it was interesting how much press they were getting at that time i guess you know in the media that was probably the biggest year they ever had was 79 yes i have newspapers here from germany australia people magazine all of the like guitar magazine and you just pick a name you know um parader they're on every single cover there's a story in all of them and local newspapers they were the front page story you're absolutely correct yeah that's awesome yeah did, now did yeah. Pe- were there people in your life that knew you were working for these guys and begged you to to show show them pictures of them without makeup uh, yes not in my life because you know my family was used to showbiz darling <laughs> okay. um uh, no, yes, it would usually be locals, yeah. and a lot of times um, I would uh, make sure I shut it down. I would never leave the room unattended. Uh, I'd either have a security guy or leave it locked. Um, one time I had to dry the costumes in the loading dock because there was no washer-dryer, and I would wash them by hand, and guys were trying to take pictures of the stuff on the line, so I had to bring it all back in and hide it. So, yeah, I really I took it very seriously. Yeah. I really respected that aspect, and it's their choice if they wanted to go, if they wanted to reveal, but certainly yeah. not mine. Cool. Well, so, you had yeah, a... I was mean. I slapped people down. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Guardian of the Kiss secrets. The Kiss Army, especially at that point, was really, really fanatical. So, I'm sure you had several run-ins with people go, oh, can you get me backstage, or what's it like to work? You've seen them without makeup. I'm sure you've heard all those questions. Yeah, yes, I've seen them. Next, um, <laughs> uh, they were not interested in uh, a girl. Uh, they were interested in the guys. So the yeah. crew, even the local crew, they would all get lucky, and they would answer, you know, and they would come in and give out guitar picks or 
a scarf or, um, you know, somebody in the last city left a doll made up as Jean, and they would share that or give it away and stuff. So the answer is uh, no. I, I would, took it entirely too seriously for what it was, but to me it was a serious business. And right. I worked on a magic show way back when, and I signed a piece of paper that said I'd never reveal their tricks. And I didn't. And with the guys, I felt the same way. You have to respect it. So, no. No, I was crappy. That's Get awesome. out! No! <laughs> or if they were nice or really young, I would answer questions. Absolutely. And it was also the day before, days before cell phones. So there was no sneaky snapping of mm. pictures. Yeah. You'd see a big old camera or the Instamatic or disposable and stuff. So, yeah, no. And John Hart would take care of those people. Right. Um, if somebody got obnoxious, absolutely, he'd put his hand out. But that was also part of the shtick. Mm-hmm. You know, I, see, I saw lots of pictures of John today, and he's always, it's, it's a famous pose. Yeah. You know, his body turns sideways and his arm out. He's a big guy. Oh, yeah. And Rosie, who took care of Peter, is the next biker, so he was tatted from head to toe. But he was so sweet when you got to know him. If somebody was going to mess with the band, they took it seriously. But if it was the normal fan stuff and grabbing, there's you allow for that. And it's good for the fans, and it's good for the band, you know. Right. Oh, my God, I touched him! Ah! And so forth. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see uh, Big John twist somebody up like a pretzel? Twist somebody like a pretzel? Hmm. Me. Uh, John, <laughs> twist them... No, the closest I ever saw to him and the guys get rough was in Italy when the dressing rooms slash catacombs were stormed. The stage was stormed and the police, and I'll use that word very loosely, uh, the Red Guard who had giant plastic shields to repel people and but um, stanchions and helmets and guns uh, got swept aside. It got ugly, and then they started, they headed to the dressing rooms. So that's the only time I saw them get uh, serious mm-hmm. and kick butt, and it was impressive. Right so, on. Yeah. But normal, normal fans were pretty nice. I mean, girls would try to do sneaky shit, and... You know, like you see in the movies, uh, um, a room service cart, and they'd be hiding under the tablecloth, and hey, pop out, and you never knew how crazy somebody was going to be. So they'd just get picked up by the waist and tossed in the hallway, and then the door would shut. (laughs) 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 It was a very female fan base. Yeah. So... You know, not a lot of bruisers in the crowd, so it was, uh, yeah, he was never mean, not purposelessly. Right, right. Yeah. Unless you provoked him. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. And George Sewitt? Yes. Sewell? George was a kickbox, was he kickboxing champion, or he had a belt, and George was pretty serious, Uh, yeah, a couple of times. Because I, whether it was, we were backstage and some people snuck around and 
got backstage through a curtain. I don't know. So George took care of business, and that was impressive. Yeah. All right. Okay, well, I got, yeah. I got another good question here for you that we got. Um, and this is pretty cool because you've told us so many stories, and it's always like you're the girl in the boys' club. And Don Lawrence sent a message and wanted to know, you know, and this is kind of funny, but it, it makes sense. Did Gene Simmons ever put the moves on you? I mean, you're the girl <laughs> in the club. Um, no. From the get-go, I annoyed him. <laughs> uh, I went to my first meeting with him with sketches from the designer at his apartment, a department here in New York, and... The first thing was out of my mouth was, Gene Simmons, I loved all your biblical films. He did not think that was funny. No, I suppose not. <laughs> uh, yeah, and... Um, I'm not her. No, I'm not. I'm fair. I was very preppy looking, and it was very clear that he was not interested. None of them were. So, mm. you don't want to fuck your wardrobe woman, because then just things can go wrong. Right. And you got to look at them every day, or you fire them, and so, No. Your boots no, get heavier, would, no. your costume gets tighter. <laughs> well, that could happen uh-huh. even without it. <laughs> we flew from, we had to fly out to New York, and I want to say it was an L-1011, the planes that had the top upstairs, downstairs, and I got to, you know, hang out in the front and go upstairs to the bar, and uh, when it was time for us to get off the plane in the front, Gene was behind me for some reason. And I made the mistake of wearing a, a wrap skirt, a wraparound skirt, which means it wraps around your body and just has a tie, a string. Well, that broke. And I didn't know that, so I stood up and was getting out of first class <laughs> with my big, giant granny panties on. And uh, that's the class, the closest Jean ever got. There was a, a finger pointing, <laughs> laughing, hey, guys, that kind of thing. But no, there was no sexual harassment. For well, me. Well, yeah. let's flip the script. Were any of them attractive to you? No. No. <laughs> you get, uh, <laughs> no. No. You, you spend so much time with them, and you see them in every aspect of humanity, and uh, you sort of, no. It's also, I had been in theater for so for a while then, and famous people, you just don't. Yeah. Because you just don't. I thought Paul was very cute, absolutely, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, you know, Ace and Peter were hung like horses, and that was great. So, <laughs> so the, the rumors are true. <laughs> yes. Paul was no slouch, but the other two were packing. <laughs> I wonder if she. Wow. I wonder if she uh, envision if she witnessed the uh, the the story that was. I think it was in Peter Chris's book. You're talking about how every now and then backstage, one of them would just lay their member on the other one's shoulder. Did you ever witness yes. this? <laughs> sure. I was like, don't get the costume dirty. Oh, ew. Yes. No. It was fine. No, it doesn't bother me at all. Wow. Uh, I got used to it right away because there, what, I guess it was, what the first, was it Hollywood, Florida? Lakeland. Is that where we were? Lakeland. And the guys, the band and a couple of other people, men's is this, where they decided to have a circle jerk. <laughs> Say what? Yeah. Yeah. And at that point, I was offered uh, by one of the guys. Uh, what was it, $5,000 or $1,000, wait, wait, $10,000 for a peek at my left breast. 
And I said, well, actually, the right one's much better. Uh, oh, well, I'll give you a say, Sorry, you picked the wrong one. And that's about it, all the harassment. Um, I don't know. I like naked guys. It's all good. But the circle jerk caught me off guard, so I just, you know, think, oh, oh God, they're making a mess. And I left. <laughs> wow. The things you don't yeah, expect it, to well, hear Well, you know, they needed to relax. It had been a very tense time, and things weren't going right, and had to cancel a show, and you got to kill time. So, oh, what the hell? <laughs> we all have our own ways of blowing off steam, don't we? <laughs> That's exactly right. As long as they weren't blowing each other, I was all happy with Well, that. I've heard stories on that tip, too, but, you know, if you read uh, certain I... books. I... <laughs> really? From who? Where? What well, did you hear? In uh, G. Gordon Gebert? No, it was in that... one of their books. It was in Peter's book. I thought it was the Who Blew Who well, first story. Though that's in there too. But there's uh, there, I don't know if I want to give that one any credence or not. But this was this Peter Chris wrote in his book that he was laying in bed one night in a hotel room and he's getting like the greatest blowjob that he thinks he's ever gotten, and all of a sudden he hears laughing. He pulls the cover back and it's Ace. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Imagine hearing Ace's laugh when you discover that too. Yeah, Yikes. Wow. Yes, I uh I don't know. I they had a life I was not privy to in the hotels. We were always in another hotel or loading out or on a bus. So that was a whole different, uh, yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised. I was just going to say, he's the, not the, the first. Tellies, you're not shocked. A lot of rock bands will tell you that. Mick, I mean, Mick Jagger and David Bowie, there's lots and lots oh, of yeah. stories. Come on, you're fucked up out of your mind. What the hell? It's, uh, it's funny. Yeah, it's a, I've had it five groupies fun. today. Let's try this. <laughs> yeah, right? Yes. Yes. And if it's good, well, there you go. Well, smack dab in the middle of the sexual revolution, too. Yeah. I don't know. I doubted he swallowed. That's all oh. And now the show has hit a new low. Yes. <laughs> you know right now you know Christmas in july is a very special time of year around here but we here on the podcast we're not the only ones celebrating it no mm -hmm. you need to go on over to decibelgeek.com when you're done listening today and check out some of the awesome articles that sunny pooney has put together we were talking about him at the top of yeah. the show i'm so stoked that he's coming to nashville yeah, for rock and pod and man he's got two out right now for Christmas in july That's articles that he's written that are really good the first one he did was called magic number seven mm -hmm. what a cool crazy concept this is he takes the seventh track off of every kiss album and ranks them against each other who would have thought of doing something like that i wouldn't have only it's from pretty, the pretty only creative. from the genius mind of sonny pooney yeah at decibelgeek.com did another good one on the uh, animalized live uncensored oh, video i haven't seen that in forever i still watch it probably three times a year yeah yeah and it's to read his article made me want to go see it again so bad yeah and i've told the story on the show before but like i I used to rent it every Friday at the video store. My parents would yeah. go. To the, we'd go to the video store and they'd look for their stuff. And 
without fail, I'd find Kiss Animalized live uncensored and I'd bring it to the counter and the guy would just shake his head at me every week. <laughs> and after, it must have been seven or eight weeks in a row of, of renting it, he just gave me the, the videotape. He's like, you're the only one person that ever rents it, so yeah. just keep it. He didn't even care. I think the copy I had, I just borrowed it from my Uncle Bruce for so long till finally he was like, okay, just give me my tape back and I'll make you a copy of it. Right. And so then I had the... That was my Friday ritual for a long time. Yeah. Yep. So awesome. <laughs> So cool. So check out those articles over at decibelgeek.com. Always all kinds of cool stuff going on there. Not just Kissmas stuff. There's a bunch of new albums coming out really soon that are really good. And our writers are getting the inside scoop on these albums before they even come out. So, you Mm -hmm. know, so you know what's coming up and you know what's good and you know what day it's coming out and you'll never miss anything if you keep up with decibelgeek.com. What else we got going on? Good Lord, it's hot in here. Um... You're getting your your brain getting clouded now? I think it is, a little bit. Well, the other thing we got to talk about is Amazon. Right, because our Amazon banner is on decibelgeek.com. It's right up there at the top of the page. What you do is anytime you're going to do some uh, Amazon shopping online, say you want to pick up Animalized Live Uncensored on DVD. It's on there. Amazon's got it. You know, maybe you want to pick up Dynasty. Of course, everybody should have that. Get that sweet remastered Mm -hmm. version. Get it on Amazon. All kinds of Kiss. It's Kissmas in July. There's all kinds of Kiss merchandise available. Just go on Amazon, put in Kiss, and just see how much stuff pops up. Absolutely. Hello Kitty, down to good Lord, and who knows what else. A little something for everyone, and it can be found on Amazon.com. Or as Gene Simmons said, they have condoms and they have caskets. They get you coming, they get you going. That's right. I love it. When you do your shopping through our Amazon link, it's just like you're doing your shopping any other time. You don't pay anything extra. But by going through our link, Amazon takes a cut of their action, kicks it on over to us, helps us out. You know, we love it. We It's a great way to help us out. And, you know, it doesn't cost you anything. Just catch you an extra second to slide on over to our website and do it. That's you know right. what else? We get the list. Yeah, we get a list of the stuff that you buy. And in the last seven days, there's some pretty interesting stuff that was bought through our link, and some of those include The Dark Tower 5, 6, and 7 by Stephen King. Have you ever read that yeah, series? Um, I think I read maybe the first and second one years and years ago, but now I see there's a movie the, coming out. Yeah, the big movie coming out, and it's worth the investment of time to Isn't read Isn't there some kind of Kiss reference in them books? Yeah. Like in the distance, a radio's playing. Calling and some, Dr. Love. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I still remember that, because yeah. I read the book when I was 14. That so. was the reason why I think I probably oh, really? first got into Stephen <laughs> King. His book... Um, Oh, the werewolf one. Cycle of the werewolf yep. has got a girl in it that gets killed by the werewolf. And what she does is she sends herself cards and gifts from, uh-huh. from famous people to herself. Oh, really? To show off to people. And one of the gifts or one of the cards is from Ace Fraley. That's cool. Yeah, super cool. <laughs> Stephen King's awesome. Yeah, also by Stephen King, Mr. Mercedes and Finders Keepers. were bought. I haven't tried those yet, um, but I hope to. And then also Kiss on Tour, 1973 to 1983 by Julian Gill was purchased. Right on. See, that covers what we're talking about today yeah julian will also be at the national rock and pot expo sweet on dvd the classic iron eagle was purchased nice uh also the biggest loser power sculpt was bought somebody's getting in shape cool soul man and 18 again wow on one dvd wow classic nostalgia trip and wow talking about classics with a k yeah uh kiss confidential and kiss extreme close-up were bought gotta have them such an important part of my youth oh me too gene and paul were like my parents growing up that's scary i know who was was like they raised me together (laughs) i don't know i don't want to go into that all right i'll I'll go (coughs) all right um in digital music um (laughs) johnny cash clearly three songs from live at Folsom prison was purchased Johnny Cash, no matter what genre of music you're into, is cool. 
Even uh, he takes country and makes it rock. Yeah, who else does a show at a prison? Uh, also, Army of Anyone self-titled was bought. We played something off that not too right long on. ago. Ethan Brosh, Downward Spiral. He's like a kind of a hotshot shredder guitar player. Okay, cool. In physical music, David Gilmore's new one that's not even out yet called Live in Pompeii. It's four disc. Comes out on uh, September 29th. Was wow. pre-ordered. Yeah, somebody's planning way ahead for that. The, the album cover, the shot of from the concert looks amazing. Right on. Just for the album cover alone, it looks cool. And then closing out today, music purchases, Saxon Baptism of Fire, the collection 91 through 2009. It's a CD import. There's a lot of good songs on that collection. All right, and I feel like I'm being baptized by fire right now, so let's get back to our talk with Pixie Esmond. Let's do it. You want another uh, listener question? I do, yes. Oh, but did before I do, okay. I uh, want to give a shout out to two women who were the hardest working women in show business. I can't give you their last names. Jane and Stephanie in the office mm-hmm. at a coin management where they ran everything. There was, nothing happened. We didn't go anywhere. We didn't eat anything. We didn't drink anything. Nothing was approved. We didn't anything without jane and stephanie being in charge and they would get phone calls lunatic phone calls from germany can you send me a case of you know crab killer can you you know send oh, this particular hairbrush or whatever it was and they did it 24 hours they were amazing amazing women and wow. so i have to give them a shout is the stephanie now, so. stephanie tudor Maybe. I think that's yes. <laughs> Kiss is yeah. the only band where we where where fans will know the names of the office staff. Right. It's, it's, it's so interesting. Maybe well, they're, they to were, them. They should. You know, she was Bill's right hand, and um, they did everything. They knew everything and knew the band very well, and uh, the band was very respectful of them. They were very flirtatious because they they're very cute, both girls. So that was great. But I, I just think they never got enough thanks. And that's what I wanted to say. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. It's good for next them to question. get a little shine. Okay, the next question comes from LoverBaco69 at Loverboy Fans Worldwide. Oh, my God. Do you, do you wow. Ha- is, it, is it a club of one or two? I, I don't, I'm not sure. I just got the one message. And the question is, do you have any stories about Loverboy opening for Kiss? Uh, the one story is they opened for Kiss. Uh, I guess it was, where I, I can't remember where were we, but it was rowdy. It was rowdy, and the show was starting later than normal, and Loverboy went out, and they were booed. <laughs> they were spit on. Things were thrown at them. Wow. They were just, it was, maybe they did a couple of songs and got off the stage because they were a complete opposite of everything that Kiss was. Mm. They were very nice, nice guys. So different from the band, uh, but they uh, and they were excited to be there, and they were no, oh, it was man. it was ugly. I, bl- I blame so the bands. That's tough. Yeah, I think. It, yeah, it's... it was tough. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, and then when you compare them to Iron Maiden and Judas Priest, yeah, come on, not yeah, that's a much right. More Judas their... Priest went out there and held their own. And as a matter of fact, they basically built their whole legacy beginning off that Kiss tour, pretty much, because that's where everybody really really noticed yes. them here. Yes, they did. And I, if I'm not mistaken, it's kind of why they were not asked back because there, there were more people there for Judas Priest at a certain point. Yeah. They were 
so fucking fantastic. And uh, they were fresh and they were new and they didn't have makeup on and leather and rawr, motorcycles. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was the energy. So they they were amazing. And yes, they did. So same thing with Iron Maiden. Yeah, they you know? were. Yeah, they were just taking off at that time too when yeah. they opened for them. Yeah, they were grateful. They would always say something about how lucky they were mm-hmm. to be there and all that kind of good stuff. So whether they meant it or not, I don't know, but I think they did. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, their opportunity to get out and get seen by all the KISS fans. Get out there and steal all the KISS's fans. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, musicians. <laughs> Let me um, ask you something going back to the Dynasty Tour. Um, now, when the tour started, you know, the band was just coming off of their solo albums. And initially, each member had their own song that they performed in the set. And Gene had Radioactive, Peter had Tossin' and Turnin', Ace had Newark Groove, and Paul had Move On. And then eventually, by the end of the tour, it was just down to Ace's song and Paul's song. Do you recall conversations in the dressing room about you know how these songs were being received and how they were going to get cut and, and, and so forth? Yes. The conversations were usually had at the hotel or after sound check with Bill O'Coin mm-hmm. to make these decisions as to how they were going over. And it was contentious from the beginning. Everybody disagreed that it should be my song and my song and my song. And so it started in the very beginning. And like any show, it morphs. And what is the audience responding to? But, uh, yeah. And there was always a shot here and there. What about my song? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. The frustration of the guy who wrote it. Oh, yeah. Sure. That's pride of authorship. You know, you Mm. you got to figure that that solo album thing really hurt that band you know really put a a big crack in between them that you know because after that i gotta imagine they always kind of bickered over that stuff like whose was better yes i think personally i think they wanted it was the beginning of a breakup Mm -hmm. but they realized they couldn't you're not going to make the money they weren't received the way they thought they should be and they had to go back so Paul reimagined it and made it bigger, bigger, brighter, better, mm-hmm. so they could recapture that energy. But yes, yeah. uh, from everything I've read and remember and things I remember in the dressing room, it was it was uncomfortable. Yeah, she said politely. Yeah. It's one of them things, you know. Looking back on it now, it seemed like, oh man, that was the beginning of the end for Kiss right there. But you got to think, it takes a lot of balls to try something like that. No other band has ever gotten big enough to say we could release four solo albums on the same day. You know, we could come out with them at the same right. time. Nobody. Right. And I, it's an odd choice to do them all in the same day. Personally, I would have done them separately. Me too. Spread them Done all. interviews and just broken them up, put them in different parts mm-hmm. of the country. You break in Los Angeles, you break Chicago, you break New York, you break, you know, someplace in, in Florida or Texas where, you know, right. these huge fan bases are. Perhaps it was equality. Perhaps it was keeping the peace. But, yeah, it wasn't good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, yes. Yeah, it wasn't good, and words were said, and egos hurt, yeah. and things like that. Well, because when you came into the picture to, to do that tour, you know, that was basically, that tour, as is, is, is big as it was, and as a great show as it was, I mean, just sound, they were they were pretty well dysfunctional by this point, so I gotta imagine pre-show was probably tense a lot of the time, or were there times where they were getting along just fine? mean dysfunctional in the in the way a family is dysfunctional yeah we all fight but when it's showtime or dinner time yeah we're all there mm-hmm. uh yes because you couldn't do you couldn't do one without the other right and they were so identified so closely 
uh, perhaps not all four would do interviews at the same time. There was no out-and-out screaming. It was more like bickering and some sharp jabs and things. Uh, Sound checks were always a pain in the ass because that's just the nature of a sound check. Maybe you're exhausted from traveling and you've done press all day long, Mm -hmm. had no sleep, and now you come and do the sound check, then you get back to the hotel, then you come back and eat and da-da-da-da-da. So, uh, you know, the sound always sucked. It sucks! <laughs> uh, it's a common refrain. Yeah. And, um, you know, the flying harness wouldn't work, and Gene would go off. And, you know, when the lasers were in the beginning, was really scary, because you could kill somebody, put their yeah. eye out and stuff. Yeah, when we so talked about that, was cranky. Yeah, so, we, when we talked, um, we went over that the eye the eyepiece that Paul had that got scrapped. But um, the first time we talked to you, there was another concept that they were supposed to do on that tour where it was going to be like a wall of lasers, like a curtain of lasers in front of the stage, yes. and that got scrapped too. Did, yes. did that actually get tested? Yes, yes, it did. A lot of money was spent and lost in Florida. Mm. Yes, uh, it just it never it never worked. Yeah. They couldn't get it to happen all at once, and there was no way. It, if you couldn't do, if it wouldn't work sitting in the same place for a couple of days, there was no way it would work going across the country. Right. Yeah. And so the they way, got rid of it, and Gene was going to sue the company or something. Well, with the way that stage was was designed, which Paul designed it, and it was a very open, flat stage, I got to think that the the lasers were going to be an integral part of how that show looked, and it it really did suffer because it didn't work. Because I think. Every time you watch a video from there, it's like, yeah, it's a cool-looking show, but it looks like it's missing something. I think the lasers probably were going to be a a bigger factor than they ended up being. Yes, they would have filled in the back. Yes. You have to, uh, yes. Logically, when you take a set on tour like that, it sits on an ice ring or something. Uh, It sits not flush up to the back wall of a stage, for example. It sits in the middle. So you're flying all of the sound stacks, and you're flying the lighting truss, and you're flying Gene, and there's not always a flat a space, a safe space, all the way upstage behind the drum kit, which spun, if you'll recall, mm-hmm. to put that up every night. Sometimes it, it wouldn't have been able to go up, and it was so delicate. It would never have survived, and I think you're right. There was It looked like a bit of a bald spot on each side of the stage so mm. it got filled up with explosions yeah <laughs> yeah so that was cutting edge stuff back then you know nowadays they kind of take it for granted because you see it on yeah. every tv show or every just any band pretty much can have a laser show if they want it but back then that stuff yeah. was all new nobody else had it and kiss did lead the way once again and it mm. unfortunately cost them I don't know, maybe half a million dollars, certainly more, uh, in trying it and rehearsing it over and over and over and spending and spending and spending. Mm. Because, you know, the designers would say, oh, we need this. Well, we need this. Well, that's not going to work. Can we have that? And yes was always the answer because they wanted the show to be the best. But, yeah, not so much. That's a shame. Um, wow. We didn't really get to talk much about Bella Coin last time. I mean, was he out on the road quite a bit during the time that you were working with them? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, classy, gentle, smart peacemaker. Mm. Bill really saved it. There were, of course, large chunks of time when the band was fighting. It, it was getting ugly. And so Bill would be out there to make sure things went smoothly, to be in the dressing room, to be in the audience, to 
give notes, to be at the hotel, to try to keep things together. Yes, he really, uh, and he was a very gentle, classy guy. Were nice they... to everybody on the crew, knew everybody's names, what you did, um, gave me a birthday cake. Uh, nice. He was a good guy. Was Kiss more well-behaved when he was around? Well-behaved? Um, yes, yes, because Bill had a way of, you let, you let a certain amount go, because you can't be scolding an adult. That's not nice. Uh, but if it would get out of hand, yeah, he would step in. Mm. Yeah, take somebody out of, into the bathroom, let's talk, go in the hallway, what have you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Pretty much the father figure of the band. Absolutely. Yeah. And they had a, uh, a healthy respect teasing. There was a very particular relationship between he and the band. Mm. So... Um, it was a very close friendship. He made them. He made them. Yeah. yeah. And he, you know, he knew that when there was nobody in the audience and they were just saying, please come to my show. It's in the garage. And he, and look where he took them. So yeah. uh, they did listen to him. Yeah, he was and the first one to fight, believe in it. You know, fight over money, fight, this costs too much. Why do we have to cancel this show? Why do we have to do this? Why? Mm. And, you know, he just took care of business. Was Sean Delaney around at that time? Uh, he was. I didn't like him, so I didn't pay attention. <laughs> okay. Well, he was a he was a character for sure. Uh huh. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Next. <laughs> okay, I got a question here from Dave Shirt, and this kind of goes along with the uh, kids or people Contact, too yeah. we talked about earlier. He wants to know: Were you ever privy to any conversations by the band members about how more kids and families were starting to come to the shows? Yes. Oh, it was a, a frequent topic because when they'd go out, there'd be, when you could look at the edge of the stage, they got your basic bodyguards and then you got your girls and then you had kids. <laughs> and as the tour went on, the kids, you know, in makeup and maybe their mother were up against the very front, pushing it close, close, close to the stage. So you look out and see a bunch of kids. So, yeah, there were many discussions about that. And it was not thrilling. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? Kind of a thing. Yeah. Are we playing for kids? I'm a real musician. Yeah, that kind of stuff. But they pay our bills. and Yeah. So that was always the answer. It's kind of a double-edged yeah. thing, you know? Yeah, because at that time you cash in by getting all the kids to buy your albums and everything else. But then the band goes, wait a minute. You know, Judas Priest is taking all our cool fans and just leaving us with these little kids. Well, yes. 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 Um, but Kiss was always different. Nobody else wore makeup. And, and as Judas Priest was on, when, on the Ascension, leather was cool again. Mm -hmm. Personally, I think Dynasty being so bright and shiny was what made them even more popular with children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? It's pretty. This is green. This is purple. This is blue. This is, and I think that, you know, you've got that. Then you've got Rob Helfand coming out, you know, and there's his skin-tight leather pants and, you know, pierced nipples and stuff. So, yeah. Well, and I mean, they, the, I don't know, and I think that's, you know, they Kiss has recycled a lot of, Costumes from over the years, but that's one that Paul Stanley to this day says, "No, we will never wear those costumes again." <laughs> like right. I, th I think he still looks at it as a mistake on their part. Uh, yes, they they said that from the very beginning. Yeah, he hated them. It was it was a mistake, 
but if you're going to completely go fresh and, and change, yeah. and yeah. I guess that was the reason. I don't do anything half-assed. Like their leather and stains and destroyer stuff, huh? Mm-hmm. I said Kiss has never been known for doing What's anything half-assed. There, exactly, exactly, exactly. That's awesome. But then again, you know, when we talk to you, it's like these costumes are the most fascinating out of they all are. the costumes. You know, these are the ones you really want to know stuff about because they're so much different than everything else. True, and I got to go around the world, so yay costumes. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they did tricks. He flew in the air in that costume, and Ace's vest blinked as rather his chest piece blinked and the opening his they looked made for the stage very grand made for film made for giant musicals they were so elaborate uh and spoke to each character very clearly the demon and spaceman and so forth so yeah they were very elaborate and and the response to the stage being perhaps simpler Right. Well, yeah, because yeah, I guess you, you don't need an elaborate stage when you have that elaborate of a costume on. True. You know? Yeah, I never really thought about it yeah. like that. I got to ask you this, cause, and, then, and you don't have to answer, obviously, but uh, when we talked to you last time, we had uh, gone over uh, a case of near the end of the Dynasty Tour where Peter started kind of sabotaging shows and slowing down and a show in Louisiana where the band just left the stage early because Peter basically ended the show early and... Uh, you had said that that was kind of the last straw, and then you said, no, that actually something else was the last straw, but I'm not going to say what it is. Is there any chance you can tell us now? No. Okay. That was a question like, I got. Yes, there's an awful lot of things that happen in a lot of times, but yeah, yeah I, there's many, I can't tell you that because what happens backstage stays backstage, and um, I don't know that anybody understands the enormity of the work that goes into it and the energy and the kind of ego that you must have to sustain yourself through this process. Mm-hmm. Pick an artist, a huge artist, uh, and you just can't. And it needs to stay secret. Right. So, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. But we can respect that. Hope you don't, hope you don't blame me for asking. Not at all. Okay. No, I under, I'd ask too. Um, uh, yeah, no. Okay. All right. Um, one question from a listener from Adam Cox. He said, which uh, member, in your opinion, was the most approachable with the fans when you worked with them? Uh, Ace. Ace. Yeah. Easy, easy, easy. All right. Um, I've got one here from Ashley Nowak, and she says, is this more of a request, I think, than a question? She says, your impressions were so great the last time. Can you do an impression of Ace telling a joke? <laughs> huh. Uh, Ace telling a joke. Ah, girly. Yeah, I, I saw this guy, you know. Uh, yeah, he went up a pole. <laughs> Came down a Russian. <laughs> that, even, that even sounds like a joke Ace would have said. Right, totally. <laughs> and bad jokes. Oh, yeah. oh my God, the there were so many bad. Peter loved to tell bad jokes. Ace loved to tell bad jokes. And he would cackle and fall off his chair. Oh, yeah. He just, and it annoyed the hell out of the other two, uh, <laughs> Gene and Paul, because they were, I don't know, just, uh, he was silly. And he was, the impression is, is that he was always drunk or high. And I can't say that he was. Sometimes he was just silly. That's yeah. the only way to survive mentally. 
and we would laugh and laugh and laugh and and Peter and have a great time. But when he'd fall off the chair just because, or collapse on the floor, or crash into the bathroom sink, it was pretty fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. That's great. Call, and they'd call each other names, and that's fine. And that you know. They've been together forever. Go ahead and call each other a name. Yeah, well, some of the most entertaining interviews I've seen with the members of the band are when they start cutting each other down because yeah. they're great at it. Yes, <laughs> yes, they were great at it. And uh, that was always true. That's what made it would make it uncomfortable for the insiders go, oh, ow, ow. But, you know, that's how they roll. So were they the kind of guys like one would say something to the other one and the other ones would all go, oh. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's the way I always pictured it. Or just shut up. Uh, or were you stupid? Or uh, yeah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> mm, yeah. Well, I think you even got on the act with it because I was listening to the first interview earlier today. You were talking about how, with the whole fishing weight on Gene's boot story, <laughs> Gene would walk back into the dressing room and and he'd be like, "I'm so tired," and you'd say, "I don't know, Gene. Maybe you're weight. Maybe you're gaining a little weight." Like, maybe Fuck you're you. Some weight. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so they would they would jaw back and forth with you just like they would each other. It sounds like. Uh yes yeah oh well, yes 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 the closer Gene I don't know if I'd said this before that closer to the completion of his makeup mm-hmm. he'd already have his uh, bodysuit on and, and the boots would sit uh, the bathrobe um, sort of have stripped down and do his makeup the closer he got to completion. As I added the pieces, um, the, the more of a demon he would become, mm. and uh, more of a pain in the ass. <laughs> Sometimes he was funny. I'd like, go to bite my hand or something, or bite my ponytail. But yeah, they became more of who they were. They became the character. Yeah. So yeah. There was yeah. um there were some cool photos that came out uh, a few months ago of from backstage. It was for the second show on the Dynasty tour. It was in Pembroke Pines. And it was Barry Gibb Where's and that? his Barry Gibb and his son showing up to hang out backstage with Gene. Do you remember when that happened? Vaguely, yeah. Many, lots of famous people would come backstage because I wasn't a, a rock and roller. Mm-hmm. I didn't always know who they were. Uh, Barry Gibb, yes, because obviously that's who it was. And came into the dressing room and hung out and you know had a beer or something. It was all very nice. Also, I was very busy being cool. You can't just fuss over everybody. Right. <laughs> okay, I'm not impressed with who you are. Oh, my God, it's Barry Gibb, was the inside dialogue. Um, Grace Licked walked in one day, and I fainted. <laughs> and um, Cheap Trick. Who is it, Rick? Rick Nielsen. Is he the guy with the hat? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, I didn't know who he was. We were playing, was it the Pontiac Silver Dome? Mm-hmm. And it was the Three Tops, Cheap Trick, Kiss, and somebody else. Yep, I think uh, New England, maybe. Uh, New England, please. They didn't belong on the tour either. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, come on. Go play a high school, a high school you know, prom. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> uh, but uh, Rick came to the dressing room to look for the guys. And I didn't know who he was. And he walked in. I said, excuse me, who are you? Yeah, I'm just looking for the band. I said, they're not here. And I'm sorry you can't come in. Security. <laughs> they kicked <laughs> him out. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So Big John came in a few minutes later with Rick. And he said, did you throw this guy out? I said, yes, I did. I don't know who he is, and I don't think he doesn't belong in here, blah, blah, blah. Well, this is Rick Nelson set up cheap trick. Who are they? <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> That's awesome. Followed by, I like your hat. <laughs> 
I thought that was pretty funny. I wish so he brought the, the other two guys in so I could yell at them. Yeah, you, you mentioned Grace Slick. God, I wish somebody had taken some photos of Kiss standing with Grace Slick. That would have um, awesome. She just wandered in, and she, well, she was dating a certain somebody. I think she was dating one of the crew members, if I, heard, if I remember right. That's correct. Oh, and wow. so she came to visit him. I guess we were in L.A. And so she came backstage, and she was hanging out. Yeah, That's pretty cool. 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 Just cool. Cool. Of the, yeah. I love that. A lot of times, they I would stay before like half hour to showtime. The guys would get dressed and go in the hall and meet radio guests and contest winners and things like that. So the famous person could be in the hall, yeah. And I wouldn't necessarily see them because I was again, you know, putting stuff away and then getting stuff ready to carry to the show uh, under the stage because mm-hmm. I had a whole setup of costumes and water and. All kinds of things. Uh, should anything go wrong under underneath, where the you know the guys are on my head all night. So, right. you ever yeah. hear them hear them talking about like themselves being starstruck by anybody? Like, oh, Pixie, you're never going to believe who we met tonight. Kind of like that. No, never. Mm. <laughs> no, it's very cool. They were not starstruck. No. Gotcha. Hmm. Here's a uh, question from a listener. He uh, Anton Lenders wants to know. Which member treated you the best as an employee? Hmm. Uh. <laughs> uh. Ace. Ace. Ace would stand up for me when the guys were picking on me. Yeah. So Ace. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. What a guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, here, okay, and here's one. This is from Joey Haney from a, a fellow rock podcaster. He does a show called Rock Strikes 10. He wanted to know um, if you could rank each member in niceness overall from best to least. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's an odd thing. I know. Okay. Ace, Peter, Paul, Gene. Okay. All right. And Eric Carr above all, though, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> He was a good kid. He was just a good kid. That's it was. Cool. I mean, he was just so little. He was short. He was slight. He was overwhelmed. So I sometimes, like after sound check, he would stay. He didn't want to go back to the hotel, and he wanted to absorb being backstage in these giant arenas and what it was like, and hang out with the crew. And that was Ace did that, and Eric did that. Peter, not so much. He would hang out with his guy, but uh, Ace would hang out with the crew and go have a beer and wander around and stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, And Eric really wanted to know, who are you? What are you doing? What's this? What's that? And, yeah. yeah, that would get me, like, even, you know, all the way in through the 80s that, like, fans would write him a, a fan letter, and he would respond with, like, six, seven-page letters to respond to the people. It's cr- pretty wild. Wow, that's surprising. Yeah. Get a life. Uh, that's very nice. <laughs> oh, <laughs> very, Pixie. very nice. He was that kind of guy. Yeah. Oh. That's awesome. Pixie, man, oh, this is... T- we could just do a podcast with Pixie every week. We could just well, did, cancel okay. Gospel Geek and just do the Pixie show. Well, that's uh, good. Do, let's. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I have worked with Marlena Dietrich, Anthony Quinn... Sammy Davis Jr., you know, bumped into Judy Dench backstage. But I've worked with some of the biggest people in the world, you know, yeah. Clint Eastwood I interviewed, and so mm-hmm. it's kind of why I don't get starstruck, and I've never asked for an autograph. But all those people um, want to know about your time with Kiss. Yeah, hey, that's all, you know what? I can start to unload this stuff if they want to give me money. 
Oh. <laughs> I just found a whole bunch of signed pictures, and I held it up to the light, and you can see where the pen dips in. I said, oh, well, that's authentic. So Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Well, if you ever got any more pictures you want to share with us that we can share with the listeners. Oh, that, wow. Yeah. Man, the stuff you gave us last time, people yeah. went crazy to see those pictures. Yeah, those Eric yeah. Carr uh, test photos. Again, to, uh, it was one of a kind. Yeah. I didn't have time to do that. Um, and you just, and you didn't have your, it wasn't a cell phone, so you'd have to go and find a camera, blah, right. blah. Yeah, no. And I was annoyed a lot. to be like, ah, you guys are paying me. <laughs> <laughs> So I didn't, it was just sort of, it was a job. So I'm yeah. glad I could share those. I did not take them. Uh, Bill took them. Bill O'Coin took them uh, during rehearsals and stuff. So, gotcha. Yeah. yeah, I've had so many people message me going, do you have the originals? I'm like, no, you have, there's only one person that has those, and she was on the show. You have to take it up with her. Because like, uh, yeah. You might, yeah. You might be able to make some money on those if you ever want to sell them. There are, I mean, the, the the crew probably has more because they were always out front. Right. During sound check, I was backstage. Yeah. During the show, I was underneath the stage. Um, so I didn't have, I didn't see those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they were in the hallway or the guys were having dinner together, something, when they couldn't go back to the hotel, they'd have the crew meal. Um, they would take pictures, right? And certainly the guitar roadies had pictures, uh, you know, without makeup, drunk, high, whatever, with their guys. Yeah. Well, this now, has been a lot of fun again. I'm glad. I'm yeah. glad. Bottom line for Kiss was never taken lightly. It was very serious that they did their best job for the Kiss fans. And towards the end, and people are getting cranky with each other and dicking around the cast, uh, sorry, the KISS army and the KISS fans was always uppermost about keeping tickets cheap because they'd make it up in merchandising. Um, merchandising would come through that's crap, and they'd say, no, not good enough, not good enough. So I sound like I'm plugging them, but it was one of the things I really respected about them was their absolute uh, respect for the fans. And they should know that. Thanks again for doing this. All right. Thank you. Kiss fans, the great and wonderful around the world, I salute you and I wish you a merry, merry Christmas. Rock on, y'all. Thanks, Pixie. That's awesome. Thank you, Pixie. My pleasure. Bye-bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.